so you'll notice that our podcast is rated explicit, and we haven't had a lot of explicit content yet. Because we're so demure. And and refined and genteel. We don't ever swear. No. Ever. But we wanted to rate it explicit so that anybody can feel free to say anything during this, and in this case, they did. So this may not be the best episode to listen to while your kids are in the car this week. Or while they're around, probably. <laughs> Also, both the Mike Pence episodes were recorded before we heard the news that Billy Graham had passed away, and our condolences go out to his family. He was a great man, and he changed the evangelical world forever. So with that said, we'll go right to the episode. I hope you enjoy. This is Ethical Quandaries. I'm Jessica Voltstra. I'm Denise Thompson. And today we are super excited because we have a special guest, Joshua Veltstra. You may notice that we, we have the same last name. This is my brother, a celebrity photographer in Alaska. He's voted the best uh, photographer in Alaska. Because he is. Because he is. Truly he is. And this is actually part two of the Mike Pence rule because as a photographer, Joshua had some great insight that we hadn't considered before, and so we are uh, continuing the conversation. So Joshua, you previewed our last podcast, the Mike Pence rule with us, and you pointed out a few interesting things and had a little bit more of a male perspective and the fact that you're a small business owner. Yeah, I, I don't think it should be called the Mike Pence rule. I think it just should be something that you decide as a business owner and especially a photographer. I work with females every day with uh, beautiful women who I photograph and who are models. And I, w- I wouldn't say I use the Mike Pence rule, but I feel like it's... Would you feel more comfortable if we called it the Billy Graham rule? <laughs> <laughs> Either way, I don't know if I... I, I, first of all, I hate rules, so that doesn't work out well for me. So how do you feel about Christmas limits, <laughs> Joshua? <laughs> I don't... See, that's the thing. You hate You can't rules. put limits on my love. Um, it's just, for me, I, you know, I do photo shoots of models all the time, and for me, it's, it's more about making someone feel comfortable rather than like a rule that I set on myself. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't want to put that rule on them if they feel comfortable, but most of the time if, you know, I I set up a photo shoot with someone, a model, I encourage them to bring a friend along or, you know, a relative or a boyfriend or husband along just to make them feel more comfortable because comfort is one of the number one things that I want people to feel when I'm taking their pictures. And well, because you get a better product. Right. Yes, exactly. And you probably have more repeat customers if mm-hmm. they're more comfortable. Right. right, yeah. And and a lot of the reviews that I get is that, you know, Joshua makes me feel comfortable. I felt comfortable mm-hmm. shooting with him. If I was alone with them in a studio, I don't know how comfortable they would actually feel with it just being one-on-one. I don't necessarily f- always feel comfortable 
in any situation, whether it's a man or a woman, just one-on-one. I always feel more comfortable with a group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not something that if I showed up on a photo shoot and, and this person wanted to be, you know, aspired to be a model and they couldn't find a friend or a relative to come with them on the shoot, I'm not just going to say, no, you can't be a model or I'm not going to shoot you and, and rip them of that opportunity mm-hmm. just because they didn't bring someone and say, no, this is my rule. I can't photograph you because we're alone. Um, and it's not because I don't trust them and I don't trust myself. Like I just want them to feel the most comfortable they right. possibly can. So is it different with models who you shot with multiple times and who you're friends with? Yeah, absolutely. When Versus I, somebody you don't know. Yeah, yeah. If I don't, if I don't know them, I it's the comfort level is completely different. Mm-hmm. If I've photographed them once, usually the comfort level is so high that I can show up. And I do most of my shoots outside, usually in in a somewhat public place anyway. Not because that's my rule but it's I mean I shoot at the beach because it's beautiful Mm -hmm. and so there's always people around it's not my rule but it's just a pretty place to shoot so Joshua when I hire you to take pictures for my boutique since I deal with mostly Intima or like PJ type pictures you do always book multiple models correct yeah because it I mean and most of the time I like to to book models that are friends with each other so they feel comfortable around each other it's not just two strangers that are in, you know, pajamas or nightgowns or something like that where they're like, I've seen you in a nightgown for the first time and it's <laughs> awkward. Um, and, yeah, I try to I try to book multiple people just so that there's a group of people and we can have fun and we can joke around and it's, it's not just this one-on-one. And I just feel like a lot of times one-on-one things are, like, there's a weird intimacy when I'm taking someone's photo anyway, even if it's at a wedding it's just like this one-on-one you're looking into the lens you're looking at me like it's a close thing so like having more people in the room just it creates a more relaxing environment for both me and the subjects in the in the photographs and um the client that i'm working with the producer of these garments and such So what you're telling us is that you, as a professional, fall into these rules, not necessarily because you've made them a rule for yourself, but that it's more comfortable for your clients. Right. So you, as a professional and with an equal, say you're shooting with another photographer, you are in another position that way. So with equals, do you have that rule too? I don't feel like I have that rule. I mean, when I shoot weddings with um my assistant photographer who is amazing there are times where like we travel all over the the state to do weddings and there's times where we have to ride in the same car together to a wedding because of time limits and schedules and stuff like that and I don't even like really think about it because this is someone I know Mm -hmm. this is someone that I'm not you're super comfortable I'm yeah I'm comfortable with and it's not someone that I I would ever feel would accuse me of doing anything. So going back to the original article that Jessica had got the idea for the Mike Pence rule, <laughs> and I know Joshua loves that, so I want to say it as much <laughs> as possible. So the jo- the Mike Pence rule podcast, episode one, Jessica had the idea for it because she shared something on Facebook, and it was an article about a person who... A youth pastor who had... Uh, Got a girl alone, took a ride with her, and sexually assaulted her. 
So here's the thing. That guy knew the girl. Mm -hmm. The girl knew him. He was someone in position of power over her. So we, you know, we're talking about, well, in our lives, we've brought up, you know, well, we're friends with this person. We don't think this way. We don't live this way. And you had just, you know, mentioned your assistant is female and this is someone you're very comfortable around. And these people, when you're friends with someone, it's a little bit more comfortable. So I feel like it really does still bring back the fact like what I said in episode one, if someone is a perpetrator Mm -hmm. of these crimes, they're going to find a way to do it. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if your friends are comfortable or it's that type of person. Yeah. I mean, you like, just don't be an asshole is (laughs) the the perfect way to do things. I mean, anyone can get in a car with a girl and, and take them out into the woods and do bad things. But you're not going to do that if you're not a dick. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so I'm t- I'm guessing you and Brittany, your wife, do not uh, practice the Mike Pence rule in your private lives? Or how is that? Uh, well, I mean, that's a good question. It. I mean, I really feel like it depends on specific situations. I mean, if I'm meeting a, a potential bride and she says, I, I want to meet with you... I want to, you know, talk about our wedding and I want to meet with them in a coffee shop or something like I'm not going to say, oh, I can't meet you because my wife isn't available and that, and I can't plan your wedding because Brittany can't come with me. I'm going to meet with them, whether it's at my house or at a coffee shop. I honestly like coffee shops because I like coffee. Um, so any excuse to go to a coffee shop is going to be great by me. I wouldn't necessarily want to bring them to my house in my office alone just because I feel like I would feel uncomfortable, but it seems like an awkward place to meet someone. Why meet at someone's private home where all your laundry is everywhere and your messy house is not taken care of when you can meet at a coffee shop where there's delicious coffee and crumpets you know so are you a big fan of crumpets? <laughs> i love crumpets uh, all the secrets are out today so yeah i mean a, a coffee shop or a restaurant or somewhere where you, you know you're getting something to eat i mean eating food together is a, a bonding opportunity anyway and drinking coffee i think is more of a bonding opportunity it's just a fun place to meet anyway and i feel like both parties are gonna feel more comfortable doing that but it's not a rule they feel uncomfortable at a coffee shop like i'm gonna be like okay well let's meet at my house you feel more comfortable there my biggest thing is to make sure that people feel safe and comfortable no matter what they're doing so on the last episode uh denise talked about the lean in movement and mentorship and i know that in the past you have mentored a couple of women with photography can you talk about what that experience was like yeah it was amazingly wonderful there was a girl that came from Paris actually that came all the way up here to do an internship with me she was passionate about photography and I just wanted to teach her like I love seeing people that are passionate about the same things I'm passionate about and teaching her I you know it's cliche to say but I learned so much about photography while I was teaching her and there was there was never like awkward moments where we were in a room alone together where we're talking about photography and editing and taking pictures where it was like this weird awkward tension it just like when you're focused about something that you love like everything else 
kind of goes away and you're not thinking about anything else. So since we know that you are the epitome of all male knowledge. Because, of course, of course. Yes. <laughs> you are the only man we've ever had on our long-running mm-hmm. show. Uh-huh. Three in. Yeah, um, yeah. I was really curious about how a guy feels, at least your experience, how a guy feels when he reads something like, well, you know, that man wouldn't be in trouble that in the trouble that he's in now if he only would have enacted the Mike Pence rule. Or if he would have only stayed away from that woman or not met with her, he would not have been tempted and he wouldn't be in the trouble that he's in now. Right, and I, f- I feel like that only applies when a woman falsely accuses a guy of harassment and that doesn't happen as much as people think it does. As far as the being in the same room as someone and being tempted like that's i mean that's garbage like you you can have some self-control so do you believe that men and women can be friends harry met sally (laughs) (laughs) yeah of course they can i've been friends with plenty of women platonically and there's never been any any question of romantic relations at all it's just self-control and not being a fucking asshole like you don't have to see every woman as like you're gonna conquer her or like the only reason I'm friends with her is to get her in bed like you can have a relationship with a woman and being alone with a woman in a room and not have sexual thoughts constantly you mean you mean like treat a woman like a person yeah I know it's crazy it's crazy weird but it can happen (laughs) and i have to do that literally almost every single day i work with the most beautiful women in the world all the time and there's never like a weird temptation like hey how about i ask this girl out no that's stupid that's completely (laughs) asinine why would you do that you're doing a job you're a professional like this person is working their butt off to become a model or become a subject in a photo or a character in a photo, like, why would you jeopardize that just to hopefully get a chance with a date with this girl? I mean, it's it's completely ridiculous. So were you ever taught not to be alone with uh, women who you were not related to in your church experience? Yes, absolutely. Because we went to the same church and <laughs> raised the same way? Uh, true, true. <laughs> Um, yeah, I was definitely taught, like, never being in a car alone with a girl because the temptation was too high. (laughs) So it just changes when you become a professional at something and you, you want to treat other people as professionals as well. And professional people don't just try to go on dates with people. Like, your (laughs) craft is what you're professionalized. You want to make this, as far as, like, my profession... I want to make this photo as perfect as it can be. And I can't do that if I'm distracted with this person and and whether I want to try to go on a date with her or start some romantic thing with her. Like You're not going to jump on top of her and start wildly humping away? <laughs> I will not be doing any humping, no. Because that's going to take away from the photo. I tell you right now, it, it won't help anything. Um, plus, I'm married, and that would be wrong, very wrong, and immoral. And um, what's the name of your podcast? An ethical. <laughs> it would be unethical. <laughs> and it—it's not a quandary at all. It's no, just straight it's just, up unethical. It's unethical. Yep. 
So I have a question. Why do you think um, we all kind of have this same background where we were taught this in a church setting, but we don't practice this in our daily lives? And we have some opinions, I mean, fairly stronger opinions about why we don't practice it in professional life. Why in the world do you guys think that we all have this same background Mm -hmm. where we were taught this Mm -hmm. as children and we have strong friend groups now? We don't discriminate whether or not our friends are men or women. I think it's because, I mean, when we're taught it in church, it's because these that you have these youth pastors and pastors who are under the microscope constantly. And if, if one of the elders slash old people in the church see them, <laughs> see a youth pastor with a, you know, a student talking in an office these people are going to be completely judgy about it and be like, oh, he shouldn't be in this office. What can happen in that office with this pastor and this young girl or this pastor and this and this young man, which probably never talked about because that's wrong. Um, <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's the thing. These people are going to see, oh, they're, they're alone together in the car. They're talking about something. They shouldn't ever be seen alone together because that's just the appearance of evil or the appearance of them being in a relationship so but in my experience i had a pastor basically pursue me when i was in high school and was alone with me all the time and nobody ever called him on it and that was in the church so even though it was because he was really highly respected so do you think that mitigates things so like i feel like if i was alone with a boy in the car a mutual, like a same age boy, I would have been super judged. But since I was went alone with this pastor, nobody said a word. Well, it's because they were stupid. <laughs> uh, well, that, I mean, that's yeah. the quandary. <laughs> uh, it, it, yeah, that's tricky because obviously that that guy should have been called out. And but then we have this whole thing where it's like, well, maybe he shouldn't be called out because he should be able to talk to a person and not be a, a dick while he's doing it. So, but there's a whole yeah, there's a whole power thing yeah, that was going yeah. on too. Yeah, and it's hard. I mean, first of all, the the main main thing is that you should probably figure out who's a good <laughs> pastor or a good leader in the church before you hire them and before they can um, do that sort of thing and maybe try listening to people too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and because there was a, quite a few people who said something about this. But they were all, like, kids, like teenagers, and nobody listens. Always listen to children. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you think that in the evangelical faith that we are raised in seems so preoccupied with sex, even though we have all of these rules surrounding sexual ethics and being alone with each other? It all comes back to this you can't control yourself it's this sexual purity seems to be like the hallmark if you are sexually impure that's that's way worse than oh spending your money wrong or eating too much or lying or you know cheating on your taxes sexual purity is way more important to evangelicals it seems like than anything else and that's why we have the whole focus on virginity and also like anti um, LGBTQ the answer to that is I mean who are the leaders mm. in that? Are they the women or the men? Oh, 
That's true. Joshua. <laughs> you did have the answer. Yeah. <laughs> he said I'm, he had the answer. <laughs> I mean, if men are the complete leaders of all of that, as a man, I know that we are driven by sex. So do you think the solution would be to ha- listen to more women's voices? I mean... No, never. That's never the answer. <laughs> <laughs> but technically, in our culture, both the evangelical culture and American culture, women are told that they don't have as high of sex drives. I don't think that's actually true. But culturally, I think men are given more permission for that. So if in past studies it's been shown that women being part of the leadership actually can mitigate abuse, actually be a protective factor if women's voices are listened to, do you agree with that? Yeah. If mitigate means what I think it means, (laughs) then yes, I agree with that statement. It does. It does. (laughs) Oh, good. Mitigate risks factors, uh, cause them, like, to be lessened. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So my question still, I feel like, hasn't quite been answered. Um, I want to know why we, why we, as the people that we are, being raised the way we were, why we aren't practicing this rule, why it is something that our parents practiced, something that we were taught, something that the adults, I mean, because Joshua, you did talk earlier about it being, you know, we grew up, but they were grown-ups. The people teaching us these things are grown-ups. Why did we not follow through on this? Is it more of a cultural need Mm -hmm. to create stronger friendships? Is this something that is just our generation? What I'm, I guess what I'm kind of curious Mm -hmm. about, like, why to me does it seem silly that my parents don't Mm -hmm. have opposite sex friends? I think it's because we don't care about power and control. We care about the things that are important to us, our relationships. We don't care if we have control over a relationship. If you're a good person, you want to be equals in a relationship because that brings you more joy. And we're, I feel like we're a generation that really seeks happiness and we seek joy in our relationships. That's why we're a little bit, I feel like, even less worried about money. And, yeah, materialism. Yeah, materialism. Mm-hmm. We, we'd rather have a job that we love than a job that brings us more money because we're concerned about happiness. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing that has happened is with... Feminism happening, or second wave feminism happening in the 60s, um, there's a lot more women in the workforce, so people daily interact with everybody of the opposite sex. They don't even think about it. It's a huge change from our parents' generation where that wasn't, there was a lot more homemakers, um, a lot more just men in the workforce. So now people don't think about it nearly as much, I think. Also, I think that our generation has bucked some of the legalism in some ways that our parents' generation um, had. I mean, like, almost all of our friends drank alcohol, and that was a huge no-no in all of our homes, pretty much. I'm drinking alcohol right now. Yeah, me too. I am not. (laughs) I am on a special (laughs) diet that I'm very upset about because I'm watching them down the alcohol, (laughs) and they're making us pause this multiple times so they can drink. (laughs) I completely agree with you guys. I think that that's exactly why our generation is different. But I also want to kind of put out there that our generation shouldn't really throw, like, safety precautions out the window because 
although we would love the world to be a different place, it still can be a very dangerous mm-hmm. place for people. And so I don't don't just say, okay, well I'm gonna buck this rule. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna practice the Mike Pence rule because I don't believe in it and I'm not going to be like that and put yourself in a dangerous situation. Right, so. especially for um, women. I know in the past, modeling and photographers in the like in the 90s and malls, women would often get approached, or teenage girls oftentimes would get approached by people who are fake uh, photographers and modeling agents and uh, that was a ploy to get them alone and so they could be sexually assaulted. And so I know that with photography, you try to be very careful with that and and you had some some ideas about how models could be more safe yeah absolutely I mean when you if you're an aspiring model or someone who just wants to you know practice or be in pictures and photographer approaches you either online or in person and says hey like let's shoot you never know if they're completely legitimate or they're not I would always check out their work, but even if you do check out their work and they're really, really great, um, I mean, even there's there's been this whole thing in, down in Portland in the Northwest where, I mean, this guy named Kyle Wilson, who is an amazing photographer, but still preys on women and says, hey, look at my portfolio, isn't this great? And his pictures are amazing. And so peop- so models think, oh, this guy's legit. And they just go alone to this photo shoot and he preys on these women. I would say if you don't know this photographer personally or have never shot with him, always, 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 always bring someone with you. Bring a friend, bring your boyfriend, bring your husband, bring anyone you can, even your mom or dad, because you never know who this person is. I mean, even if their work is great, that doesn't mean that they're not a bad person never feel guilty about bringing someone with you on the shoot a lot of times photographers who are predators will say oh please don't bring anybody else there'll be a distraction during the shoot don't listen to them if they're a good photographer they're not going to care if you bring 10 people to the shoot they're going to be able to do their job Mm -hmm. so it's a red flag if they say don't bring anyone absolutely that is the biggest red flag if they say please don't bring anybody else to the shoot do not go so it seems like we've judged the heck out of that. Do you have anything else to say, Joshua? No, I'm good. Denise, did you have anything else? No, I think I got my question answered finally. <laughs> oh, come on. By our token mail. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us, Joshua. Of course, glad to be here. So we're going to talk about our ethical company. What is it this week, Jessica? It's the Tote Project, which is a company that was founded by two friends, Bay Grant and Michelle Chavez. They make little totes and pouches, um, like makeup pouches. And on the outside, they have really cute little floral prints or like prints of like elephants or birds and with sayings like free to soar or free to dream. And on the inside, they have a completely different fun print and they are really sturdy. I've had my makeup bag for over three years and it has lasted beautifully the the zipper still works and it is in still like new condition and the way that they are made is they are made by women who are in danger of being in the sex trafficking industry or have come out of that so 
Um, it gives them another job just like uh, Sudara does. So huh. they're, they're really one of my favorite companies. Um, and you can find them. They on, are really cute. On Instagram. And they actually wholesale too. So if that's something you're looking for for your company, they do that. Do you know where they're made? They're made in India. Oh, in yeah, India yeah, also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They also donate 10% of their gross profit to Two Wings, and that helps human trafficking survivors in the United States pursue their dreams. So they're both See, they're, that's they're awesome. helping both places, nice. both India and the United States. So, oh, yeah. good product. Yeah. So thank you for joining us um, here at Ethical Quandaries. A podcast where we have a lot of questions. But no answers. And, and we're, we're judging you anyway. Technical support and photography by Tick Kinsley. Consultation by Mid Toker. Production music by EpidemicSound.com. Editing by me, Jessica Veldstra. If you have an ethical quandary or a comment, you can email us at ethicalquandaries at outlook.com. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Do-be-do-be-do, do-be-do-be-do.